Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. Amen. That was great. Thank you, Michaela. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. We'll continue it on. Um, Yeah, hopefully you guys are hungry, and it's going to be a great message today. So I'm not bragging. It just is, because it's God's Word. Anyway, all right. Well, uh, to kind of tee off uh, what we're going to talk about today, um, I found a little list of the greatest Mother's Day songs and titles, top 10. So we're going to walk through them. Ready? All right, here we go. Mo- greatest Mother's Day songs or titles, number 10. We're going to count down little David, old school David Letterman for those of you in my generation. Younger generation have no clue who that guy is. Anyway, uh, okay, so number 10, a song for mama by boys to men. Come on, that's got to be top 10, a song for mama. Number nine. Mama, don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys. <laughs> Billy Nelson, it's an old school one, but it's great advice. Uh, number eight, I'll Always Love My Mama by The Intruders. Really good song. It's a, it's a good thing to have. I'll Always Love My Mama. Number seven, Mama Said Knock You Out. Hello, Cool J. Sometimes. Number six, I Ain't Your Mama by Maggie Rose. Number five, you're the reason the kids are ugly. <laughs> Loretta Lynn and T- Conway Twitty. <laughs> Number four, <laughs> God must have spent a little more time on you by NSYNC. Come on, little Justin Timberlake, early days. Oh, my goodness. All right. She's a Bad Mamma Jamma by Carl Carlson. <laughs> Number three. Number two, Johnny Cash, call your mother. And number one, by Mr. T, treat your mother right. Now, if you've never, if you don't know who Mr. T is, the A team, he's got an 80s rap, and it's treat your mother right. And so, if you haven't listened to that, YouTube that one, and that'll make your whole day. Treat your mother right. It's great advice. Um, but anyway, so those are the top 10 greatest Mother's Day songs. Um, what we're going to get into is kind of um, an old school Spotify playlist. Actually, the OT Spotify playlist, and we're going to look at one of David's who wrote a lot of the Psalms, which are songs. Uh, We're going to look at one of David's greatest hits this morning. So let's pray before we dive in. Lord Jesus, God, we just thank you for the power of your word. And Lord, we pray that, Lord, no matter where we're at with you, God, that we could hear you from your word through your Holy Spirit today. And so, Lord, we come prepared. We come submitting our lives to you and just, God, with our ears open to say speak. And so, Lord, we just give you this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, yeah, David's greatest hits. We're going to look at Psalm 139. So if you have a Bible, you can open up to 139 or obviously... It'll be behind in Megan, but but um, I just want to kind of set this up. Uh, David was the second king of the nation of Israel, 
Saul was the first king, and Saul, uh, David used to minister to Saul, playing music to the king. And uh, so David had a little relationship with the king after he conquered Goliath. And, uh, but after a while, this king Saul began to become very jealous over David and uh, began to actually hunt David down uh, in seeing that maybe the anointing of God is probably more on David than it was him, stirred him to jealousy, and he goes and he hunts David down. And so for a long season of David's uh, early life, he's running from the king who's trying to kill him. And, uh, and so there's, there's a, a lot of these psalms that were birthed in this kind of desert season for David. He's running from the king. He's trying to honor the Lord. And he develops this close-knit relationship, one that was a continuation of his early childhood. We see that in the story of David and Goliath that he was out with the lions and the bears and uh, protecting the sheep. And it was in that time that he had developed a close relationship with Yahweh. And now these psalms are just uh, the, uh, the birthing of something of a, of a man and Yahweh walking together. And so as we read through this psalm, I want you to listen for how David declares certain things about God. That in his walk with God, there's certain certainties that he knows and he can declare and find confidence in. Notice the closeness of David's walk with God as we walk through this. So let's do Psalm 139, verse 1 through 6. O Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up, you know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel, and when I rest at home, you know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing upon my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. David is declaring that God knows everything about you and maybe more than everything about you. You may think you know everything about your history, you know everything about your personality, your gifts, but God knows way more. That file cabinet, mine might be a few inches deep. God's file cabinet on your life is way deeper than that. His knowledge of your life, that he examines your heart, that he knows everything about you, that he goes with you, whether you stay at home or whether you go out. He knows what you're even going to say before you say it. It shows David's intimacy with Yahweh, this awareness that God is ever-present with him. And he sees himself as eternally interconnected with the God of the universe. I love that phrase, eternally interconnected. Have you ever viewed your life as eternally interconnected with the God who made the universe? Imagine what life would look like walking like that. Interconnected eternally. Day in, day out. What would life look like for you? It requires a certain level of openness. When you kind of get into that space of like, oh man, if I was to get that deep with the Lord, there'd have to be a certain maybe brand new level of openness and a new level of maybe reliance and humility that 
Maybe my brokenness is not carrying me as far as I thought it could. And maybe, just maybe, I might need the Lord to fix it. He knows more than anything, everything about you, and he's persistently present. David goes on, verse 7, it says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, if you hop on a southwest plane and go to Africa and then hop on a little bus and try to go to some remote village and then go out and hide in a field behind a rock and God would just, as you kind of settled in, you kind of notice that God's tapping you on your shoulder and like, hey man, Chip, what you doing? <laughs> no, no, no. It says, even there, your hand will guide me. Your strength will support me. If I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in the darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. And even there, even there, no matter where we may roam, he's got ever-present presence following you around going before you and following you from behind. And then I love this, this verse 11. It says, man, this, this idea about darkness and light. What's David kind of getting to there? He's seeing the holiness of God. He's seeing the complete purity of the God who made him, and he sees the broken humanity in him and around him. And he declares about God's holiness, it's greater than I could ever imagine. It's stronger than any dark darkness that I could ever find, try to hide myself in. That God's holiness dispels darkness. And I was, my wife and I were in a little conversation about, man, there's so many things today that it's almost like we've like God's holiness is completely outside the purview of how we think reality is. And so we start our kind of rationale or our kind of thinking based upon like human beings. Well, as if I just kind of base my life on how I view other human beings and my other opinion, and, and I can begin to see kind of human beings a quite a bit different. And I can justify certain things. I can justify certain ideologies because if I can eliminate God's holiness, if there isn't anything about purity, if, that's, if we're surrounded by muck and mire, then maybe that's all there is. And we just need to come up with the best ideologies and ways to do humanity without this God around. And if you've sensed over the last like 80, 100 years, at least in this culture, that's been kind of the disposition. We just want him out of the way so we can do what we want to do. But then here's David walking close to the Lord, and it's like, man, the closer I walk with you, I see your holiness so much greater than I did before, so much more holy and righteous and pure than I did before yesterday. And for David, it's this holiness of God that's almost astounded that God draws him near to him. 
He's persistently present. It's because he designed us. And that's where David goes next. In verse 13, he goes, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. God was there. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you're still with me. And he designed us like that of an artist and a creator. We see Paul reference that, that you are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do the good works that he's planned for you long ago. And it's this idea of the imago dei. And then we, we look in the creation story that the scriptures give and that that God created man and woman in His image, the Imago Dei, the image of God, that when He makes human beings, that He puts His image hidden inside them. It's, it reflects who God is, certain characteristics, certain aspects to who you are, certain passions that you have, certain gifts that you have, certain deeds that you may do reflect who He is. And God is dreaming of that Imago Dei, the image that He put inside of you to come out in maturity in your life. To reflect who He is. But our brokenness, our pride, our rebellion works in direct opposition of that image of God inside of us. But that's just how we know how to do life. We know how to do life broken. We know how to do life prideful. We know how to do life rebellious. David here expresses his gratitude to God. In verse 14, he's like, thank you. Thank you for making me. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. And then, the, I don't know, the way I read 18, we were, I was kind of prepared for this. It's almost as if verse 18, it's like, and when I wake up, you're still with me. Like, when I wake up, I can't believe you're still here. Like, I, I know me. Like, why would not my brokenness drive you away? But here's David, that every time I wake up, you're still here, I can't believe it. Thank you for your faithfulness over my life because if I was you, I may have given up on me a long time ago. But God, thank you for your faithfulness. Instead of abusing that connection, David is humbly aware that God knows him and chose him. And out of that, he is able to walk in a confidence before the Lord and before men and women. That there's a confidence that he knows that everything good inside of him is not from him, it's from Almighty God. That everything good that may reside in him that's uh, beautiful or wonderful or like, man, admirable or heroic, every aspect that David has, he's like, that's all from him. 
That's all from him. And that's what biblical humility is. It's not just kind of like, you know, passive, spineless, depressed. I'm kind of getting beaten down by life. It's no, it's walking before the Lord who knows who made you, who called you, who put his spirit, who raised Jesus from the dead inside of you, and knowing that everything good inside of you is not from you at all. It's only from him. Walking confidently, being fully aware that everything good is from the Father. He designed you. And then, amen, sister. Then, he defends you against your enemies. Verse 19, oh God, if only you would destroy the wicked. Man, sometimes I get, to, I get David's kind of thoughts on this. Man, God, if only you would destroy the wicked. Get out of my life, you murderers. They blaspheme you. Your enemies misuse your name. Your enemies miss you. They take your name in vain. Another translation. They take your name in vain. So maybe some of these enemies that David's talking about are not like anti-Jews. Maybe they're people within their own house of God. That maybe they may claim that they're a follower of Yahweh, but yet they misuse your name. Oh, Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? Yes, I hate them with total hatred for your enemies are my enemies. Now, obviously, this has got a little OT flair, Old Testament flair <laughs> to our context today. He sees and knows, though, his enemy, that there is an enemy. He's fully aware of it. And for David, it's almost like, man, I need to be clear as I walk before Yahweh, I need to be clear who my enemies are. Godless evil liars, man, people lie because it works. Did you know that? Did you know that? People lie. Why? Because it actually works. You can fool people. Leaders can fool people. But then in the new covenant, now with Christ, who redeems and restores our relationship with the Lord, we're aware that there's more than just evil men, that there's maybe spiritual forces behind those men seeding those ideas and that we need to get our eyes more on that than the actual evil person. And Jesus kind of elevated it in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. He says, you have heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And that's what David was speaking out. He was, David, David was speaking out of what the law said. But then here Jesus says, but I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. Jesus comes and ups the game of what heaven is like. So David, even though he's getting chased by Saul, has this moment. God, would you just take him out? Take him out. But here for us, it would be a little bit more, we needed to add a little more new covenant truth. But the fact remains that, the Yahweh, that Yahweh will always defend his children. Yahweh will always defend his children. And so he knows more than every anything, he knows more than everything about you. He's persistently ever present. He designed you. He defends you. And so David's final thought, therefore, he says this. Verse 23: Search me, O God, and know my heart. 
Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. This is the climax of his song that he leads us through this journey that he's walked with the Lord, of his knowledge of the Lord, of his confidence before the Lord, that he knows everything about you, that he's persistently ever-present. He designed you, he defends you, and therefore, since he's all that, God, I can't run from you, I can't hide from you, you're too more, you're wiser than I am, you see way farther down the road than I do, and because of all these facts that I, he's kind of laid out in this song, he kind of concludes, therefore, search me, O God. There's nothing that I'm hiding. There's nothing that I'm holding back. Search me, O God. Test me and know my thoughts. Know my anxious thoughts. And I'm sure a lot of us, you, know, you walk through the week with just consumed with anxious thoughts. What do you do with those? Do you just kind of mull those over? Does those actually add value to your life? Do you get actually better with that? Or, as a follower of Jesus, maybe it's cast your cares and anxieties upon him because he's a good father. And he knows you more than you know you. He designed you. And here's David. Search me, O oh God. Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me upon, uh, along the path of everlasting life. This is what a true heart of a disciple of Jesus has in their life. A disposition like Psalm 139. That when we walk closer with the Lord, we see his holiness. We're so grateful that he sticks around in his faithful ways. That he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. But then there's this call to search us, God. An invitation by David himself. God, search my heart. And you can see that even in this wilderness season that David might be going through in writing this psalm, he knows that the best answer is, God, search my heart. Search my heart. I know there's a lot of things out there. But at the end of the day, search my heart. Keep my heart clean. Keep my heart pure so that I can reflect who you are. So with that, I just wanted us to kind of have a little time of interaction and prayer. And uh, so, yeah, Trevor, come on up. And I just want us to kind of walk through this. And in the last series, we just kind of talked about being at home with the Lord being at home with the Lord. And part of that is just pausing and, and just saying, God, I want to be at home right now. <laughs> God, I invite you in. And so just kind of in that kind of spirit, with that kind of thoughts in mind, we just kind of give some time to him. So let's pray. Father, God, we just thank you for your word and how powerfully it speaks right to our spirit. And God, we listen to music maybe all day and it might speak to our soul, but God, when we read your word in these psalms, God, it goes way deeper. So Lord, I just pray that 
We would be people that see you as knowing that, God, you know more than everything about us. God, you know more than everything about us. And so, Father, I pray that because of that, we would rely on you, we'd depend upon you. God, we would trust you. Trust for your leading. Trust for your wisdom and your ways to be exemplified in our life. Father, we thank you that you're persistently ever-present, God, when we, when our heart Maybe in shame or rebellion or pride, God, we want to run away. God, it's your persistent love that pursues us. But God, to draw us back, to wake us up, to get us back in our right mind. And so, Father, I pray that you would bring us into our right minds this morning. Father, we thank you for the power of your word. That, Lord, we can learn that you designed us and you defend us. But Father, right now, I pray that you would search us right now. Holy Spirit, like David, we invite you in. God, search us. Know our hearts. Test us. And know our anxious thoughts. Father, right now, if there's any of us here that have anxious thoughts, that have been consuming them, consuming their sleep, consuming their mental bandwidth, God, right now, whatever that may be, God is asking you, give that to me, my child. So right now, just, just in your heart, in your imagination, just hand that over to him. God, I'm giving you this, what I'm so anxious about, what I'm so fearful about. God, I hand that over to you. God, I release it into your hands. I don't have any more permission to bring it back, to mull it over myself anymore. God, it's now in your hands. God, it's, you see it, you recognize it, and God, we're trusting that you will do something about it. But God, us mulling it over and being anxious about it does nothing to improve our situation. So Father, I pray that our eyes would be fixed on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. And Father, for some, God, you want to point something out in us, something that's offending you, something that's bringing disconnection in our relationship with you. Father, I pray that you would point it out right now. God, is what in our life is bringing disconnection with you? Father, I think we know what that may be if, there's, if there is. But God, right now, as you're, as you're pointing it out, God, there's maybe a nervousness on our God, maybe we don't know what life is like on the other side of it. We don't know what it looks like on the other side of this. But Father, right now I pray that, Lord, if there's anything in us that offends you, that is disconnecting us, God, I pray right now, God, you'd give us the courage and the boldness, God, to put that on the altar, to say, God, I'm 
giving this to you. God, it's getting in the way of us. It's getting in the way of our relationship. And God, I'm not gonna live one more day with anything intentionally getting in the way of my walk with you. So Father, if your finger is on something, God, I pray for the same amount of courage, the same amount of grace to put that into your hands. To say, God, have it, take it. I don't want it any longer. It's been trying to destroy me, steal, kill me. So Father, I trust you today with what I'm putting into your hands. God, I repent of falling into agreement with that lie, with that idol, with that relationship, with whatever it is that I've fallen into allegiance with. God, I fall out of allegiance with that. And God, I renew my allegiance with you in Jesus' name. Father, we just thank you for your shed blood and your broken body that we can come boldly into your presence to receive mercy and grace. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you're a God that lovingly, patiently endures with us, that walks with us, that even in our brokenness of sin, God, you still pursue us because you see the image that you've put inside of us. And God, you're furious to see that come out. You're aggressive to see that come out in our lives. So Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. May we go out and be a blessing to people around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, with that, happy Mother's Day. Have a good Sunday. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org. And we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.